Jordan. I'm here with a wonderful investigative journalist, Greg Palace. And you've been not in, you, you're not part of the story, but kind of. But I wanted to move backwards because you haven't just like woken up a week before the election and been investigating uh, voter purging and suppression. Uh, you started investigating in Georgia in particular, Brian Kemp, about five years ago. Uh, how, how did how did this you're obviously you've been doing this for a long time. How did you first find out about what Brian Kemp was doing down there? Well, I started uh, by investigating the uh, the that uh, white supremacist scamp named Chris Kobach, who just lost the governorship of Kansas, but he was a secretary of state. He is Trump's purging general, the guy who comes up with all the ways that you can remove voters of color from the voter rolls. So I was actually investigating a scheme created by Chris Kobach of Kansas called Interstate Crosscheck. This is his way of determining voters who vote twice by registering two states. Um, I should, you know, and, uh, and that led me to Brian Kemp because Kemp started working with Kobach and using his list to remove voters from the voter rolls. So this investigation began for Al Jazeera and Rolling Stone in 2013. So I've been on, on Kemp's trail for five years. And so it's been, a, it's been a long haul. At the moment, I'm working with uh, Salon.com on this and other outlets, but, um, and BET, Black Entertainment Television. But uh, at the moment, uh, you know, so like I say, for Rolling Stone Al Jazeera, this started five years ago. And um, so Kemp has been uh, burning down those voter rolls for many years. And, um, you know, way before he was running for governor. And interestingly enough, I even spent time with Stacey Abrams as a legislator, as the head of the Democratic legislative uh, minority, uh, going over these lists. She was stunned because she didn't know that Kemp was pulling off this, these tricks of, purge, of uh, burning through the voter rolls. So it's been, yeah, it's been a long time. Now, I know the answer to this, but a lot of people, uh, I, I've covered what's going on in Georgia a little bit from afar. A lot of people wonder, how are there no conflict of interest laws where you have someone like Brian Kemp who was secretary of state for many years. Obviously, he wasn't running for governor the whole time, but how are there no laws that prohibit someone like Brian Kemp from making the decisions about purges if he's then going to run for governor? We saw it with Chris Kobach in Georgia. I mean, go back to the year 2000. Kathleen Harris was a secretary of state of Florida. Meanwhile, she's a co-chair, I believe, of George W. Bush's campaign. Are there laws that prohibit basically trying to purge voters off the rolls in the election you're running in? You would think so, but uh, as far as I could tell, no. Um, I, the problem is not even that, I mean, obviously, Kemp is removing voters he doesn't like. You get to choose the voters. As Secretary of State, Brian Kemp not only chose the voters, the idea is that the voters should choose you, but instead he was choosing the voters by removing over half a million voters um, at least 340,000 illegally. I can get to that in a second. But, uh, but he also chose, um, you know, where there were polling stations. Um, you know, the conditions, you know, which ballots, and here's the, the, the one that's really dangerous, which ballots are accepted, which ballots are counted. People, you know, we assume, we, you know, in, in the sixth grade, Mrs. Gordon told you you have an election in America and we vote and we count the ballots. No, we don't. No, we don't. In 2016, there were officially... 2.7 million so-called provisional ballots. People showed up, their names were on the voter rolls, they got these ballots, and over a million were thrown in the garbage. Even though there's every bit of evidence that every single one, no exception, of those million that were thrown away are, are legitimate voters, American citizens, who uh, uh, got shafted out of their vote by the system. Uh, and Kemp sets the rules for which provisional ballots get counted, which absentee ballots. You know, people have, uh, love to mail in ballots. They say, oh, we don't like to vote on machines. We like to mail in our ballot. So you're saying that people are dishonestly playing with the machines, but they're happy to count the one you mail in. Good luck. Over a million absentee ballots are thrown in the garbage every election cycle. A million. Okay. Well, you know, so, so, so as the thing is, so you have this conflict. But to me, the big conflict is, why do we have partisan voting officials? Why do we have partisan secretaries of state ever? Why is this not a civil service function that should be run by people who are beyond political control? And in America, I mean, this is 
this is insane. Look, if Putin did this, if he said, I'm picking all the voting, well, he does. I, I pick all the voting officials. I, get, I count which ballot. I decide which ballots get counted. I decide who gets to vote. I decide where you get to vote, when you get to vote, even, you know, who gets to set early voting hours, et cetera. Um, you know, we'd say, ah, oh, there's Russia. It's so, it's so undemocratic, you know, it's totalitarian. Um, no different than the state of Georgia, state of Kansas, state of Arizona. Basically, this is a national scourge. Right. And, you know, the, you hear this notion that, well, if you haven't voted in a while, you could be taken off. But that's not the law. You're not supposed nope. to be you're not supposed to be taken off the voting rolls if you haven't voted in a while. And you're also uh, supposed to be, by law, given notice if you've been purged off the voting rolls in time for you to correct it. Uh, it seems like there are laws on the books, but Brian Kemp and others that you just mentioned um, basically have just tossed that to the side. Well, yeah. I mean, one thing, uh, first of all, if you read the New York Times, you get the misimpression. I mean, it's one of the problems when you have, you know, uh, there's there's the establishment media, which is um, what I call lazy fuck media. <laughs> These are people who, you know, they, they, they work from a press release. They don't even bother to read judicial decisions. So, for example, they, after uh, a Supreme Court decision of June of this year, um, in which civil rights groups um, filed uh, lawsuits against John Houston, another conflicted SOB uh, Republican who've been, who had removed a half a million voters from the voter rolls. And it was misreported that your, the Supreme Court said it was okay to remove people who had missed a couple of elections. No, 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 no. Under the National Voter Registration Act of 1993, it says in you know big black letters, that you cannot lose your registration because you decided not to vote. Americans have a right to vote. Americans have a right not to vote. Okay, so how do they get away with it? But yet they did use this non-voting as, or what the state called non-voting, because they just lose your records anyway. So you miss a couple elections, and guys like Brian Kemp, John Houston, Chris Kobach started removing voters from the voter rolls in the hundreds of thousands. Now what they did was, what the court said, was, yeah, the law says you can't remove people for not voting, but you could use it as evidence that they moved away. In other words, they didn't vote, so maybe they moved away. So they said, well, you can't use just non-voting. So they said, oh, you got to get a postcard. Now, this is not a postcard. This is before you get purged. Well, the postcards look like total, complete junk mail. You just throw them out. Most people do. Well, you're beginning to throw out your vote. So they say, you didn't return the card. You didn't vote. And then the counties are supposed to do an extra review, but they don't know what the hell to do. They just get a list from a guy like Kemper or whatever, and they cross people's names off, and that's it. So, no, it's not true that not voting, you'll lose your vote. That's the law. That's also the Constitution. Right. Uh, which is that, but they do it anyway. So wait a minute. So um, actually, so yeah, that's a big problem, and, uh, and it's always misrepresented in the press, but I will say, if you miss votes... Get ready to lose your vote, legal or not legal. It is illegal. And I should say one thing I did is I actually uh, sued Brian Kemp to get. I'm a uh, you know as a journalist, uh, there's a special um, provisions of the National Voter Registration Act, which are like a souped up Freedom of Information Act. I can get his files. Mm -hmm. So I got the names and addresses of everyone he purged for supposedly moving because they didn't vote and they missed a postcard and da da da. And I had experts in what they call addressed list hygiene. Now, this is interesting. Wow. Here's the bad news. Um, there are experts who can tell you where every single American was at 3 p.m. last Tuesday. That's just the truth. Sorry about that. In fact, here's a little secret they don't want to tell you. Everyone in America has a Social Security number and a special, a special P PIN number uh, used by commercial by every single commercial enterprise in America. They don't talk about it, but you have they and you don't even know what that pin number is. Sorry, and so you can be traced. So we actually found out where everyone was, and we found out that three hundred forty thousand one hundred thirty-four people. We have their names and addresses. Never moved, Mr. Kemp, but they lost their vote, and then he never sent them a note saying, "By the way, you've lost your right to vote, so you should re-register or challenge this." So I went to Georgia with a guy named Rahim Shabazz, uh, went with him to vote. He, you know, everyone's saying you got to vote. You know, Stacey Abrams is running. Uh, you know, it's very important to vote. So, he, you know, make sure you're registered. He didn't think about it. He said, well, you know, I've been registered um, for years. 
suddenly he, he hears that I have put that you know Greg Palast has put the list of purge voters on his on my website. So he went to my website and found out he was purged. He re-registered, but it was after the deadline for this election. So he was out of luck. He did go and uh, he did get a provisional ballot, but they told him bluntly, um, because you have a right to a provisional ballot, we ain't counting it. Well, I wanted to ask you about provisional ballots because my mm-hmm. understanding of provisional ballots are they are supposed to be counted, but it seems to me that essentially this happened in the New York primary purge and many others that they're essentially tossing them out in bulk and it's very arbitrary which they count and which they don't. Absolutely. So you, you've got it right. What, in fact, most white people never saw a provisional ballot until the elections in California and Brooklyn in the, in the, uh, June, in the June primaries uh, when Bernie Sanders was running against Hillary Clinton. Um, by the way, so what is a provisional ballot? It says when your name is missing from the voter rolls or they have, you have a problem, they don't accept your ID or you're in the wrong precinct, you get this thing which you fill out. You fill out all this stuff out of an envelope. Don't make a mistake. And then they decide whether to count it. What's the rule for counting it? Quien sabe? Every place decides. So basically, if you're in a white suburb, they tend to count those votes. If you're black, good luck. 2.7 million people were officially handed provisional ballots in the 2016 race. 2.7 million. Now that's a minimum because not every jurisdiction reports. 2.7 million, 1 million of those ballots, more than a third were simply thrown in the garbage. Let me repeat that. 1 million ballots in 2016. And you have to ask, how did Trump win? Because a lot of people didn't get, and why why were the exit polls different than the final count? Two things. Number one was provisional ballots. Absolutely most important is that when people left the exit, left the polling stations and went to the exit pollsters, they could say who they voted for. What they don't know is if their vote counted. I've never seen an exit poll which asked, did you get a regular ballot or provisional ballot? And I can tell you right now, for example, in uh, Georgia, which I was filming with my crew, at Emory College, um, which Boca Washington High School, which is inside the college, black students almost entirely, um, they handed out over 100 provisional ballots. And were they counted? Well, Stacey Abrams tried to get a judge to order the counting of, of the 28,000 provisional ballots, which would have put her over the top um, and, and triggered a runoff. But um, one, they couldn't get a judge to agree to count all of them. And two, um, and here's the biggest problem. It's bad enough with provisional ballots, but Brian Kemp was brilliant. He, he planned his getaway for this crime of stealing the election by basically telling counties, don't give out provisional ballots. So when there were 28,000 provisional ballots, which is a lot, but it should have been 100,000, but at least 50, 60,000 people, at least from my law firm survey and from what I saw, um, people were not given provisional ballots at all. I was there filming an, a Latina woman, Ashley Jones. She was refused a provisional ballot. Uh, Yasmin Bakhtiari, a, uh, from an immigrant Iranian family, she was refused a provisional ballot. She waited at a polling station two hours, three times turned out. So one, provisional ballots are ugly, stupid, you know, back-of-the-bus ballots. Sometimes I call them placebo ballots because you think you voted, but you haven't. But they're better. At least you could fight over those. Kemp literally said, in violation of federal law, you, you know, don't give out these provisional ballots. I mean, it's been very, it was, it was unbelievable. So people could not even, see, in other words, Stacey Abrams couldn't even challenge because you can't say count the votes that were never counted. Right. And that's, and by the way, I spoke to, um, or got a, uh, an email from Bob Ney, N-E-Y, who was the co-sponsor. He was the Republican co-sponsor of the Help America Vote Act, and he said, yes, absolutely. The whole point of the provisional ballot was that voters purged, you know, your name is missing from the voter rolls, you get that provisional ballot. And he said he was horrified, one, that they don't count them, you know, half the time. The other, he's horrified that in Georgia, they didn't even give them out. And, you know, you were talking about, uh, you know, they use this if, you, if you've moved or you, if you haven't voted in a while, uh, that throw you off. 
But there's also, you spoke with a 92-year-old, I believe she was the cousin of, was it Martin Luther King Jr.? Yes. She was the cousin of Martin Luther King Jr. She has voted in the same polling place for 50 years, presumably since black people got the right to vote. Yeah. Did she move? You know, was she inactive? Because it seems like there are also just, they're just purging black people off the rolls. Yeah, that's one of the problems. In the case of Christine Jordan is her name. Um, Christine Jordan, um, 92 years old, the cousin of Martin Luther King Jr., I, if you go to gregpalace.com, in fact, you can slip it into your this broadcast if you feel free to cut it in. Uh, you will see this 92-year-old elegant woman voted same place since 1968, the year her cousin was murdered and black people did win the right to vote in Georgia. And um, it's always been the same location and she's never missed a vote. I mean, has this ever happened to you before? Never. How long have you been voting? Oh, my life, ever since I was old enough. But I've been voting right here, ever since 1968. Yeah. And it's just, it's horrible. And, and I say that because the West End, she's been in this community back when we could, when they were doing sit-ins. She held civil rights meetings at her home. And today to come out and not be able to vote and no one can give you an explanation. Like it's extremely emotional and it bothers me. It bothers me to my core. Like there's actually no record of her whatsoever voting in any election whatsoever. And it's ridiculous. I'm sorry. This time they just said your record's gone. They gave her a provisional ballot in her case, but we don't know if it was ever counted and then, you know, the, the count kind of stopped, but uh, her um, her granddaughter was hysterical, just saying, you know, how could you do this to this woman? And the answer is, Kemp don't care. And the that's the other problem I found with Georgia. Their records in Georgia are are sloppy and beyond imagination. And there's a good it's it's a strategic sloppiness, which is very very dangerous stuff. In other words, who says you haven't voted? Who makes that decision? First of all, you shouldn't lose your vote for not voting if you choose not to. Because a lot of people, first of all, if you're in, and this also goes after black folk, because if you're in black uh, districts, these are gerrymandered. And you have what's called stacking and cracking gerrymandering. So black people tend to be shunted into districts where their vote is like 3% and they're swamped by white voters so their vote doesn't count. Or the opposite, they're stacked. They take all the black voters in a part of Atlanta, and they stack them into one single congressional district. And so you have people like John Lewis who literally have no opponent, not even a Republican opponent. There's just no opponent. There's literally elections where there's literally no point in voting. Mm -hmm. I'm in California. I can tell you that. I had literally no one on the back. There was no contested election. I voted just because I vote. Mm -hmm. But there was not a single, not one single contested office on the ballot. Well, I should I take it back. I think it was sheriff. We vote for sheriff in in LA. But basically, senator, governor, congressman, uh, state legislator. So I had I actually had no reason to vote except you know a good it's like good habit like brushing your teeth. But so what happens is people will skip votes that don't matter, mm -hmm. and that happens mostly in black areas. So that's the type of games that they play. Plus they send you a postcard, and I can tell you the difference between a young black urban renter getting and re and returning a postcard from the state is about uh, 700%, well, less, is about one-seventh the probability that a white suburban homeowner, older, will return a card or get the card even in the first place. Mm -hmm. You know, renters move. I can tell you one Georgia voter who, you know, had a hell of a problem, my daughter. She's a student in Georgia, and, and she, you know, What's her address? It keeps changing, and, and a couple months a year she has no addresses. She's changing dorm rooms. And believe me, if they don't like black people, they really don't like students. <laughs> don't like low-income people of any shade. Mm -hmm. And let me ask you, uh, I don't know if I'm assuming you've tried to go through as many of the addresses and names you can. Uh, the 340,000 you found, my assumption is majority black that were purged off the rolls? We don't know yet. Um, but, uh, we're, you know, because of the system they use, they, we know the system of using postcards, uh, inactivity, so-called failure to return a postcard 
and the due diligence of the counties is that it's just biased against basically the democratic demographic, which is black, young, poor students, itinerant. That well, by itinerant, I mean you know people move around. Right. And we, we, by the way, you don't have to re-register to move within a county. Another thing that Brian Kemp did, uh, which the ACLU, well, actually a woman named Stacy Hopkins, who's an activist, got a card. She noticed a piece of junk mail from Brian Kemp saying you have to re-register. She said, wait, I just moved down the street. That's illegal. She happened to know it was a violation of federal law. She got the ACLU on the case. But I just spoke to the ACLU yesterday. They don't have the resources to know. Kemp said, okay, you got me. I'll put a He removed 159,000 voters illegally agreed he did and said i'll put them back but we're finding people like raheem shabazz who should have been put back on the voter rolls and they weren't so mm -hmm. oh that's the other problem we have at kemp uh, uh, you know just lying and i wanted to ask you this i could not i was stunned to even see this i don't know if you saw jake tapper on cnn's interview with stacy abrams the other day but i'm going to give you word for word how he framed it so he's either deliberately he's either ignorant or just deliberately obtuse but he said here in washington dc which is hardly a republican stronghold if you don't vote in the last four years you're removed from the voting rolls and i don't think anybody think that's disenfranchise disenfranchisement that's just people being removed from the rolls because of inactivity what's the difference between what kemp did and if you don't vote within three years well let me ask you because Kemp, when he was Secretary of State, um, did oversee a process in which a, a one and a half million voters were removed from the voting rolls. Here in Washington, D.C., which is hardly a Republican stronghold, uh, if you don't vote uh, in the last four years, you're removed from the voting rolls. And I don't think anybody thinks that's disenfranchisement. That's just people being removed from the rolls because of inactivity. Uh, what's the difference between what Kemp did uh, and if you don't vote within three years in Georgia, you're removed from the rolls? And, and what they do all over the country, including here in Washington. So I'm going to tell you straight up. I worked with Tapper at Salon when I did my first investigation of the voter roll uh, of the purge by Catherine Harris of black voters who were um, supposedly felons who weren't allowed to vote. And I uh, and that was the big story that I broke. The U.S. Civil Rights Commission said I was 100% right that Catherine Harris had removed these voters illegally. I'll tell you right now, there was one one guy at Salon who doubted this massive racist purge by Catherine Harris, and that was Jake Tapper. Wow. Uh, he was assigned to work. He was my assistant, and, <laughs> and I got to tell you, you know, in other words, he doesn't have a problem, you know, if, if you're, he's white and rich, you know, so there's no, there, you know, he doesn't see the problem. And no, it, it no, sorry, it, Jake, you don't know shit about the law. Mm -hmm. And the problem is, um, you know, I'm going to tell you something. If it were country club members who lost their vote, I'm sure he'd be in tears. Oh, well, same thing when, you know, journalists are murdered. Uh, they cover it for days. But kids in, a, kids in a school or, you know, mass shootings, you get a few hours now. Um, it, it, why I bring that up is because literally it's the media's role. There's very few investigative journalists out there. I put you at the top of them. Uh, it's the media's role to make this the urgent, you know, blaring red lights that it is. But they're basically making it seem like, well, you know, some people yeah. say some people say this ha this is bad, while some people say it's routine. You figure it out. So it, it yeah, leaves. Yeah, I, one thing you hit on correctly. I come out of the Guardian of Britain. I lived in London, and I was a investigative reporter for the Guardian and BBC Television. And this bullshit American, uh, some people say this and other people say that reporting, is considered horseshit in Britain. This is very important. In other words, if, in other words you don't say, oh, well, they say it's disenfranchisement, but then the other guys say it isn't, and that's it, that's the news, thank you, good night. No, my job as a reporter, my editors at The Guardian and at BBC would say, well, who's right? Someone's lying here, okay? So, number one, Tapper doesn't know shit from Shinola, okay? He, he's, a, he's an ignoramus who, uh, who has a deep voice, but, you know, he's one of the, he was one of the least knowledgeable people and, and not curious, very lazy. Now, I would say Tapper, he, he's, not, he's very typical. He's just another lazy fuck, you know, who's, who's basically paid as an actor. He's not a journalist of any type. 
when I was trying to do the investigation in Florida, he didn't do shit. He made a few phone calls. But to him, you know, it's, oh, the Republicans say this, the Democrats say that. So, but he's typical. I don't want to pick on him. Right. He's, he's just typical. Um, and so he heard, he heard from somewhere, from what legal scholar he got this from, that you miss a couple elections and you lose your right to vote. Sorry, Jake. Why don't you read the goddamn NVRA? Why don't you find out before you shoot your mouth off and basically say problems of black voters, who the fuck cares? Which is what I got from Salon when I was working there uh, in the old days. The new Salon, I'm now working <laughs> working coordination with Salon and, and they're back to uh, allowing and permitting investigative reporting. But it's it's shameful. And, right. and again, I don't want to pick on Tapper because he's, in fact, maybe he's even one of the better ones. He actually, you know, I think I understand he's even read a book this year. I don't know. <laughs> is, is that, you know, most reporters are not paid in America. The, the ones that are on TV are actors and they're not paid to know shit. And so they, you know, and they love to go on one. And so in place of actually finding out the facts, right, they say on one hand this and on the other hand this. And the ACLU says this and the Republicans say that. And like, who can, can yeah. something? Yeah. You know. And uh, we talked about Georgia, but real quick, I mean, you found all sorts of shenanigans, election fraud, suppression, Arizona, Colorado, Nebraska, Indiana, Illinois, Las Vegas. Uh, it, anything pop out? Uh, were there different tricks of the trade or was it generally the same type of uh, well, purging and, and those kinds of things in those other places? Some it was a little bit different than the target groups are different. In Indiana, for example, um, uh, they were using this uh, system by created by Chris Kobach called Interstate Crossing. By the way, Chris Kobach really he's the guy that you know the the media is crows about how Chris Kobach uh, his commission folded when they said there were no you know they this so-called uh, Trump voter fraud commission. What they missed is that that didn't stop Kobach's systems from being used around the country to purge voters. They missed that whole thing. So they said, oh, ha, ha, there's, there's no voter fraud. They can't, yeah, but that wasn't the point. In fact, Kobach, so Kobach created this thing called interstate cross-check. He was selling it by saying people are voting twice in the same elections. So believe it or not, because they found, and I'm not making up this example, they found a woman named uh, Maria Hernandez who voted in Louisiana. And they found a woman named Maria Hernandez who voted in Virginia. So obviously Maria, it must be the same voter voting in two different elections and in, in the same election in two different states. Uh, because as you know, Maria Hernandez is not a common name mm -hmm. for Republican. And so, but in, in that case, one was Maria Cristina Hernandez and the other voter or the who they say is the same voter was Maria Inez Hernandez. I'm not making this up. Now, in 2016, I've uncovered a list that's bigger, that's nastier, and that stinks of the worst Jim Crow trickery. The trick is called cross-check, and it's ethnically cleansing the voter rolls of 29 states, mostly controlled by Republicans, including the swing states of Ohio and North Carolina. They simply find a voter who has your first and your last name. Then you and the other Maria Hernandez both lose your votes, even if your middle names are different. Even if your father and son, they're going to take away your vote. So how would cross-check steal an election? I'll check out the names on the list. Hernandez, Wong, and nearly a quarter million Jacksons. In other words, voters of color. And by the way, it wasn't a small number of names. There's seven million names on Kobach's hit list as potential double registered, as he calls them. Two million of the matches, two million names. Two million names were had mismatched middle names, and junior and senior were matched as the same person. Now, yeah, you can make fun of it and say, "Oh, that's a that's a silly list." I got the list, by the way, from Brian Kemp's office. The guy who said he didn't use the list, I got the list from his office because I have someone on my team, the wonderful Zach D. Roberts, who called the office when they turned us down and said he worked for Fox News, which, by the way, he did. <laughs> and one of his clients. And he says, ah, I'm here for Fox News. And suddenly he got all the information that they said they didn't have. And that list, I, we got all those names with Maria Christina Hernandez and all that stuff from Chris Kobach's office. That's dangerous. So, so by the way, so Georgia says they don't use cross-check. It's a lie, but I'll, you know, I, I have to get more info. 
And it's my understanding that in Colorado, the Secretary of State wouldn't release the addresses of whom he purged, which is That's illegal. That's right. We're not going to give you the addresses. Well, how do we check whether someone supposedly has moved or not? Right. Hang on. I'll get rid of that. Um, and then the other is um, that in Indiana, for example, which admitted it uses cross-check, but they're under a court order to stop using cross-check in the way they were, which is, you know, Chris Kobach sent them a list and they just start crossing names off. Okay, so we got through threat of litigation. When I say we, the Palace Investigative Fund, I have a not-for-profit foundation. I got the list of the, of the, um, of the purge voters and the list of the voters that they, they did say, here's the voters we purged because of interstate cross-check. And we said, it's a massive number of people that were purged from interstate cross-check. And the council, the lawyer for the state of Indiana said, well, I'm not sure, but it looks like our counties were violating the federal court order. They admitted that they were violating the federal court order. And it's like, and yet no one brought this up. Senator, the Democratic senator lost his seat, Donnelly, Donnelly, in Indiana. And there's no questions because of the Chris Kobach cross-check program. Indiana is not a red state. The northern tier is really a suburb of Chicago. It's industrial. It's African-American. And there's, you know, Obama did win it in 2008. The only reason why it, you have guys like Pence, and Pence would have lost if he stayed, that, that could even get elected is because of this mass racist purging operation and things like a vicious ID requirement that, you know, a lot of people, you know, people who don't drive tend to be Democratic. They know that. Right. And a quick promo for you, if people want to know up close about that Kobach and his douchebaggery, best, best democracy money could buy. Uh, I watched it uh, uh, in New York City. Uh, your film on cross-check and those kinds of things was, A, very entertaining, but B, it's horrifying. I mean, you, this is literally what happens in some third world countries uh, with basically ballot stuffing and basically rigging the entire election, yet we're told the greatest threat to democracy in America here is Russian trolls and the Russian boogeyman. I'm not minimizing if that foreign governments are trying to harm our election, but it seems like there's a real cognitive dissonance. I'd love to hear what you think on what's actually in effect helping certain candidates to be victorious and what is not. Well, yeah, I mean, first of all, I, I think that the evidence is clear that Russians tried to uh, uh, mess with the election in 2016. But as far as I could tell, uh, not, there was no effect. I was in those swing states, Michigan, Ohio, right. Pennsylvania, Wisconsin. I was there. And, you know, it wasn't the Russians, okay? <laughs> it was massive. You know, if you if you look at the new, you know, I don't know if you get I, – I think that you, when you were in New York, you saw the original edition, which is before the election. said, here's how Trump's going to steal the election. Mm-hmm. So I have a kind of I told you so edition called the post-election edition. It's uh, the best democracy money can buy, the, the case of the stolen election, which, by the way, is free on Prime, if you got that stuff. Um, and by the way, thank you for noting that, yes, you're supposed to be entertained and horrified. Yes. Um, the thing is, is that this is how they stole the election. For example, in Michigan... Here's a wonderful thing in the new film we have it because I went to Michigan and say, what the hell happened? 75,135 ballots were not counted. 87 machines broke down in Detroit. Now, whose vote? Now, they say we can't tell whose votes they were. Um, now, understand that these are paper ballots. They can be read by a machine called the human eyeball. Uh, Jill Stein paid to have those ballots read. People talk about Jill Stein paying for a recount. That's not true. Jill Stein was paying to have a count of the ballots that were not counted in the first place. Donald Trump won by 10,700 votes. 75,000 ballots were not counted in Detroit. You tell me who won if you count all the ballots. And that's one of the, by the way, the re, it was stopped because Donald Trump, went to court, he sent his lawyers in and say, Jill Stein has no standing, that is, she has no legal right to bring a suit, because you can count the ballots a hundred times, she ain't gonna win Michigan. It has, it's up to Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton's lawyers were in the courtroom and said, well, we're here just to observe, which is, I think, her campaign slogan. Uh, <laughs> and, and so what happened is, we're not counting ballots, and it wasn't just Michigan. We have something called spoilage in America, that is, ballots cast, not counted. 
the chance your vote will spoil is 900% higher if you're black than if you're white. That is some technical reason. You got crappy machines. There was some type of, of, of technical error. The ballot was sent in wrong. Or basically, they challenged it because they didn't like your signature on the return envelope on the absentee ballot. That's the games that are played. And we don't have anything close to fair elections. Donald Trump did not win. If you counted every vote, Donald Trump lost. If you let every voter vote that was wrongly removed from the voter rolls, Donald Trump lost. If you counted all the provisional ballots, Donald Trump lost. So there's a hell of a push. There's a reason why these systems are bent. Georgia should not be a red state. I'm not, I'm not, I don't care about the Democratic Party versus the Republican. That's not my job as a journalist. But I can tell you this, Mississippi, Georgia, uh, Florida, these should not be red states, not even close. It's, it's who's not allowed to vote that makes the difference. And I wanted to, bigger picture, and thank you for taking so much time. Uh, bigger picture, you see with this progressive movement, uh, you know, it really began with Occupy, I'd argue, and then Bernie uh, picked up the torch. And now you have all these people running, uh, spe- especially young people, more women, uh, people of color. And you're told, you know, this is a democracy, so you, you, we beat them at the, at the ballot box. And, you know, the one thing you can do if, if you're feeling disillusioned is go vote. Well, if you're going to do that, I mean, obviously, this, it's not as horrendous as is, the, as is the display in Georgia around the country, but in every state. I mean, I was on the campaign trail, too. I saw a lot of this in New York, in California, even in Iowa. Uh, in a lot of states, this is happening, and it's happening right now, beginning for 2020, with these purges and things like that. What, do you t- what are people to do? Because if you can't count on actually being able to topple whether it be people like Trump or, you know, centrist Democrats at the ballot box, what are people to do? Well, from my studies, you have 48 states which illegally block voters en masse and don't count ballots that are cast. 48 Oregon and Washington are, are the only ones that seem to pass any type of democracy test. And I can tell you, like Jimmy Carter refused, you know, keep people asking, why doesn't the Carter Center... Um, um, you know, uh, monitor elections as they do in Zimbabwe. The answer is that, as as Carter says, the the U.S. does not meet the minimum standard of democracy that's required for monitors. You can't have international monitors unless you have a minimum standard. There's no sense monitoring a fixed election if you have if you have a third of a million people as in Georgia illegally removed from the voter rolls. What's the point of monitoring the election? You've already fixed it. So now the question is, should you continue to vote? Absolutely. 100 percent totally and this is and you say well why they won't count yeah they do they because here's the, the really important thing they can't steal all the votes all the time now i when i was writing for rolling stone and some of my articles are co-written by bobby kennedy he can do something i can't do he could call up the president right so he calls up obama and says do you know what you know greg and i greg palace and i are doing yep he knew all about stuff and he had and he had a really detailed understanding of the vote theft. So it kind of raised the question, well, where is his Justice Department trying to fight this stuff? And and kind of the answer is, from a guy like Obama, is just overwhelm them, which is probably easier for him to say because he has the power of the presidency and he had this great campaign and the money and all that. But basically, um, you can't win with 51%. You have to win with 55%. Because they don't, again, they don't steal all the votes all the time they have to allow the system to allow certain people to get in In other words so that there's there's no question that um um that that you know your vote will count but it may not count all the time all your neighbors votes may not count so you really have to do two things you have to fight for everyone's right to vote and then you got to use it Mm -hmm. and they love it when you basically they love it when you take away your own vote don't suppress your own vote. Don't steal your own vote, for God's sake. That's what they want. They want you to give up. And, you know, and, and in my film, I end, as you know, in Selma, Alabama, 50 years ago, now almost 60 years ago, with the crossing the bridge, the William Pettus Bridge in Selma, four people were murdered by the Klan on that march. But at the end of it, the Voting Rights Act was introduced by Lyndon Johnson. So you had people with no power. No vote who made this great 
leap of progress. And yes, Stacey Abrams, the election has been stolen from her. And by the way, I'm talking to your litigation team. The reason she didn't concede is that there's Georgia law that says if you have a tainted election, it has to be rerun. So there's still some, it may be rerun yet. But it looks like Stacey Abrams was beaten by this racist trickery. However, the fact that you even have a Stacey Abrams running is is about a, a long history of fight and blood and sweat. And you don't want to throw that away because there is a tide in history mm-hmm. and it goes back and forth. In fact, I have my team in Mississippi as we speak. There were actually progressives after the 64 and 65 voting rights and civil rights legislation. We ended up with uh, a great, uh, uh, we had progressive populist government, Democratic government in uh, Georgia. William Winter is governor. Um, um, Mr. Uh, I forget his first name, Malpas, who was the Secretary of State, making sure everyone got to vote. You had some very progressive people in Georgia. Let's remember, yeah, Brian Kemp, who is a, who's gone straight off the nutcase right wing MAGA nutcase yeah. uh, um, end of the Republican Party. You did have Jimmy Carter as governor, you know. Um, so Georgia is not Georgia, Mississippi. Um, Alabama, they had the great Don Siegelman. Yeah, they put him in jail like on trumped-up charges. You know, you know, you take a pretty big hit if you try to be progressive. But we see these victories. And if you look at the, you know, as King said, you know, the, the arc of history is long, but it bends toward justice. He didn't say it's always moving towards justice. It kind of bends toward, it bends a little bit in your direction, and it sways back and forth if you give up you lose and you know and you know so it's like at least we don't have we're not yet with guns in the streets in america fighting this out so let's fight it at the ballot box even if they make it difficult and even if we have assholes like jake tapper saying yeah well it's not disenfranchisement to remove people if they didn't vote my last question is uh, bigger than this uh, really election theft. I don't know what else you would call it. Uh-huh. I wanted to ask you, because you've been doing this for a long time, and uh, I don't know how familiar you are, you are with my work, but we just launched the company and you know we're very grassroots in the field. What does it say that the journalism that CNN has abundant resources to do, people like you... And uh, not particularly on the election issue this time, but I've been in Flint 13 times and I've been investigating things. What does it say that actual investigative journalists, you know, you basically have to take to asking your readers and your viewers to, to provide you resources? It, it almost seems like this dystopian journalistic um, picture we have now where CNN, New York Times, it, it's this drip drip, who's up, who's down, Trump's tweets, whereas your stuff, not even to mention the censorship that go, goes on, Google algorithms that suppress stories like yours, uh, to people that are interested in journalism and the truth, uh, what, is, what is the state uh, of what we do right now? Because it seems like your kind of investigation in any sane democracy, like you were talking about um, London, this would be major scandal front page news. Well, it was when I reported for The Guardian and BBC. The purge of the voters in Florida were on the front page of The Guardian. The purge of the voters was on the top of the BBC Nightly News. It was on page nothing in the New York Times. I finally got a black columnist put it in his column. And, of course, we had Salon, which, had, by the way, at least, you know, so I got this new Internet outlet to go along. But I think, you know, a tapper was smarter career-wise, which is that he understood that this is going towards celebrity journalism and, you know, uh, the, you know, they're bad, you know, so and like, oh, we don't like Trump's tweets. And it's so it's kind of like, um, you know, it's, it's easy. It's cheap. It's, you're being cheated because, you know, it's like when you get a box of cereal, and there's only a little bit of cereal at the bottom. You've been cheated. Well, when you get news that has no content, you've been cheated. But since they're so good at just creating a complete wall where you don't even know that there's alternatives, um, then you end up with. Um, and then they and then they preen say, oh, they're calling this fake news. Well, the trouble is the reason you're fake news is that you're fake. Um, I, you know, I, now Trump is wrong about about which way the fakery goes. Right. 
when you but basically it's cheap because it's celebrity journalism you bring on stars okay well let's bring on Stacey Abrams ask her a few dumb questions that'll get some attention um, but no one actually says let's go ch-. I mean T- Tapper didn't even as you, in the example you used even bother to check the law right right um, that's one and number two um, you know the uh, uh, so they're not doing the work I literally went out and hired experts you have to understand what I did the New York Times told me they didn't have the resources to do this. Can you imagine? The Times wanted to, me to turn over my, re, my all my investigative material to them. This is an unusual request. I said, yeah, it's quite unusual. Um, so the New York Times literally said it does not have the resources. It costs about ten grand to have experts go through the names on the voter rolls and find out who was illegally removed. So instead they just say, oh, well, Kemp says this and Abrams says that. And so it's crap. And so we end up, if you want to be an investigative reporter, I either have to leave the country, as I did, or I have to you know, work for outside operations like Salon or I write for Rolling Stone. And, um, and you know, so then you're – or I write for websites like uh, Truth Out, Truth Dig, whatever. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm actually thinking of going back not – to England, not moving back to England because I didn't want my kids to have that uh, upstairs downstairs accent. But, uh, but you know, I might have to just go back to the Guardian and BBC if I want to do any reporting and lob my reports over the uh, the channel. And by the way, I do think it's great that we have citizen supported journalism because that's the only way you're going to get it, baby. So I hope people are supporting your show. And obviously, you can go to the uh, Palace Investigative Fund and uh, and help us out. But I'm going to tell you right now, if you're not willing to take those moves, like support news in real investigation, like that story in Flint was never properly covered, and I'm glad that you were on it. This is the core and heart and soul of America that we need to know. And, and we've had, you know, this pompous press, which is celebrity-driven, in which they spend millions of dollars for these uh, TV hosts who are basically actors. We never had that in England at all. They, you know, celebrity newsreaders, they called them just that, newsreaders. They were never considered, they don't use the term anchors. And if, if you're not a reporter unless you're investigating and, you, and you know, writing from press releases, forget it. Uh, I'll end with this because it's kind of a we have that in common. The New York Times uh, actually tried to steal my story recently. <laughs> they uh, I was in Flint uh, with my business partner, Jen, and we actually did something radical. We knocked on 450 doors in uh, three weeks uh, because we got a few tips that the state of Michigan, surprise, uh, cooked the data. They, they flushed residents' water lines before collecting lead and copper samples, which is against EPA regulations because you'll get a, a lower number. So, you know, I don't love the New York Times, but I'd love to get the story out with them. So I reached out to them, and I, I didn't give my whole story, but I gave a few bullets uh, with some paperwork to back it up, which in retrospect I shouldn't have. And they say, oh, well, we have reporters uh, in, you know, our, our Midwest Bureau, and we check on Flint, so if we're going to do something, we'll probably do it, you know, ourselves. Literally, literally the next day, uh, I get a call from one of my major uh, sources in Flint saying they, she just got a call from the New York Times uh, digging into some uh, concerning testing uh, and reading my notes. <laughs> right. This is, about, this is about cheap because what, what you've just found out is that the New York Times and others, they're repeaters, not reporters. And so you just gave them a way to get the stuff cheap, just like they wanted for me. Hey, I'd rather have them steal my stuff than not even mention it at all, like you say, because you work in the public interest. Mm-hmm. And you will, you'll turn over, you'll let these guys plagiarize it. It's hard to even get them to do that sometimes. sometimes they just would rather ignore it because they have to double-check everything. Like you said, they made some calls at least. Yeah. Wow! <laughs> you know, for, for um, these papers, I just uh, saw... Um, you know, it, it, it's just shameful what's happened to the American press and it's gotten worse, not better. And the celebrity, you know, this uh, idea of using, by the way, the news as a profit center is what's killed it. it used to be considered their kind of public obligation broadcasting. So you had guys like Edward R. Murrow, but that's all gone. And as you know, we even lost, uh, you know, what used to be, uh, you know, PBS had some people. But, you know, um, just so you know, uh, Bill Moyers is a friend of mine. 
uh, people didn't realize that his show was no longer was not for its past its last years was not broadcast by PBS because they wanted to tone down mm. his investigative work and not annoy the corporate sponsors. By the way, BBC Television has no corporate sponsors. It's not brought to you by Archer Daniels Monopoly, and it's not brought to you by you know I did stories on oil. Um, you know, you had British Petroleum and Chevron as the main uh, sources of money for the Power Hour. What's it called? The uh, CBS News Hour, right? The Petroleum yeah. Broadcast System. Yeah. They don't announce that, that uh, Chevron's their official corporate sponsor. Oh, Jesus. So, you know, this has been deadly. In BBC, there's no official corporate sponsors. And by the way, people may not know this, but The Guardian is a not for profit newspaper. It's run by the Scott Trust, a charitable. It's a charity which not, runs not-for-profit. There's very few ads in The Guardian because of the content in The Guardian. And so, you know, um, so The Guardian is, by the way, The Guardian's begging for money, too. You go on The Guardian's like, please give us a few dollars so we can survive. Because, once again, they're not going to get those corporate advertisers that they that that keep, um, uh, the you know, the National, National Petroleum Radio alive. Right. Uh, let alone the others. So, you know, I'm sympathetic and I hope everyone watching this will say, realize that you're doing this and the only way you're going to survive is if people donate to your site. I know you didn't ask me to say this, but I'm saying it. Would you please cough up for Jordan? <laughs> this is vital. This is not like extra or nice or it's nice he does this. This is vital because no one else is doing this work. There's so few investigative reporters left in America. If you don't prize this and support this and help this, then don't talk to me. Thank you so much, and I, I think very highly of you. Uh, I really enjoy your work. So, And uh, please keep me up to date on uh, your lawsuit against Georgia and other uh, things because the story is uh, definitely not over uh, as far as down there. Fantastic. And by the way, let me ask you, where are you based? New York. New York, okay. Yeah. Or SOB. So I'm in L.A. at least getting tan. But, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and I've sent my team to to Mississippi. So uh, while they, they're gathering the information. My, yeah, but... uh, my cameraman, and he does some on-air stuff too, is in L.A. So I, uh, I go there sometimes. I'll let you know. Fantastic. Who's your cameraman? Uh, Ty Bayless. Okay. Well, let me know. I, okay. I could have some good people. Maybe we can coordinate at some investigation together. Great. Love to that. Okay. Catch Thanks. you later. Bye.